Welcome to this edition of Brother Reg. I'm Reg Allen. I'm excited to be here with you. Let's introduce our co-hosts. We got London on the track. London on the track. <laughs> yeah. It is Marco again. Marco, where uh, where you now you're from? Oh. Where do you hail from? <laughs> Crystal Lake, Idaho, baby. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Marco. What's up, guys? It's Taylor. <laughs> Taylor. Hey, it's Sarah Lynn. Back by popular demand, Sarah Lynn. Very popular demand. Alan on track. So I want to I want to mention a couple of things. First, I want to mention how glad I am to have you listening. It means a lot to us to have you participate with us. We love getting the text messages and just the updates on how things are going for you. London has worked incredibly hard with Marco to create the Brother Reg website. So it's live. It's on. Go ahead. Push the button. There we go. We got the clap. The website is www.brotherreg.com, and it looks amazing. And one of the ways that um, I'm hoping that we can continue to to grow is Marco and London are going to work on some fun, different swag items, and I'm going to give, they whether they protest this or not, I plan to give 100% of the proceeds to them for helping manage uh, the Brother Reg podcast. So whenever we get whenever <laughs> we get that up, then let's let's buy stuff and then I can give all the money to these two. Yeah. My heart is deeply touched. I'm very touched. That'll be a part of your million dollar challenge. That'll be my first part of the million dollar challenge. <laughs> I want to give you an update on my challenge. So in terms of the travel by surprise company that I set up. It's going very, very well. The website is basically done. So if you want to check out the website, I think it looks great. It's, uh, it's just travelbysurprise.com. And I think we've ended up with, I think we're getting a couple of new clients every week. So things are going really well. People are loving it. It's, it's fun. So challenge is still going. I think my cash position's around $4,500 right now. And then I'm really investing my time into the into the travel company as well as the cleaning business. That's awesome. Does that sound fun? That's way better than mm-hmm. I think the rest of us. So no, no, no. <laughs> but You're I would, doing great. I would love to hear wherever anyone's at and it's not a competition. It's uh, it's self-driven by seeing where you go with it and what, what you make of it. So if you're making progress by a dollar, then it's good. Progress is good. So um, lastly, I would like to ask for people to review the podcast. If you listen to the podcast and you think, this is really great, I would love nothing more than to have a whole bunch of different reviews on whatever platform you're listening to, whether you listen to on Spotify or Apple. Most of you listen to it on Apple. Please take a minute. Um, if you feel comfortable giving a five-star review and writing a comment, that would be so beautiful. If you feel like it's a four-star or below, then just go ahead and put that on your to-do list for the future. And, and, and forget about that. But but I would love five-star reviews with comments. I think that would be great to, to share the message. Well, I want to introduce the, um, the topic for the day. This podcast is going to be entitled for the episode, Trial by Home Fire. Now, many, many people might know or they might not know that Sarah Lynn and I had the crazy experience of actually having a massive home fire that displaced our family for for about a year and it was just something that changed. You know how sometimes you measure events in your life based on what's 
when this happened, right? Like for some people, it's when I graduated from high school or when this particular event happened. One of the ways that we measure time is based on how long since the home fire, because it was one of those types of events that, that shaped a good chunk of our life. Oh, you know what? We didn't introduce Rocco. Rocco's on the <laughs> on the mic can as you well. Hear him? We can yeah. we can hear Rocco. <laughs> so if you're trying to envision what Rocco looks like, imagine um, just the cutest little kid that's ever been born with a lot of hair and a mohawk. With his dad's hair and a mohawk. <laughs> so if you hear the cute cooing in the background, that is Rocco. Sarah Lynn, would you like? Tell us, tell us the story of the story of what happened. Yeah, because there's some reasons why I don't remember it as well as you do, and I'm because you were sleeping. <laughs> I, was sleeping. <laughs> I was sleeping. Give us, give us like a rundown. Okay. Um, well, it was January eighth, two thousand sixteen. I love that you know the date because I actually just remember that it was cold outside. But yeah, go ahead. Um, maybe it affected me more than you. I don't know. Just kidding. I don't know. Um, anyway, we had had a fire in our wood-burning stove that night, and we just were enjoying the evening. We had a couple of guests here, because we always have a lot of guests staying at our house. Um, and we went to bed. Around 1 o'clock, I decided to wake up. I don't know why I woke up. I just was up. And I started checking on the kids. I went to everybody's rooms and checked. And I started smelling something that was just odd. It wasn't smoke. It was like, have you? if you've ever had a blow dryer kind of blow up and yes. that electrical smell yes. yeah, with all your hair, I'm sure you know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it smelled like that, like that electrical smell. And I was like, what is that? And I started looking around and I eventually in my room heard crackling behind the wall. I'm like, that is so weird. I've never heard crackling before. And so I go over to the wall, still hear it. I'm like, I don't know if that's normal for a fire. And so I went downstairs and the fire was gone from the fireplace because it had been a few hours. And so I went back upstairs. I'm like, I think our house is on fire, but that sounds really weird. And so I went over there and it was still crackling. So I went outside before I went outside, I said, Reg, I think our house is on fire. And he was really hard to wake up. <laughs> so in fairness to me, I do take basically Ambien every night to go to sleep. It's huge self-disclosure. So it's not just that I'm a pain in the neck. Like, I was drugged. He was totally drugged. And I was trying to wake him up, telling him that I thought our house was on fire, even though I felt super crazy saying that. Um, and he's like... Well, then call 911. But and I'd, then went back to bed, I But assume. I definitely didn't want to call 911 because I wasn't sure if it was actually on fire because I couldn't see any fire. I couldn't see any smoke. So I went outside to see if there was smoke coming out of the chimney. And I went outside, and there was smoke coming out of all of the eaves in the house. So I was like, yes, our house is freaking on fire. Oh, my god! <laughs> and so I went upstairs, and Reg was actually on the phone with 911. And the 911 operator was like, why do you think your house is on fire? And I was like, because there's smoke and I just, there it is, it's on fire. <laughs> and so um, we got everybody out quickly, calmly. It was weirdly calm. I remember, so the parts that I do remember is I remember 
my friend, my trusted friend, Trevin Ricks, who lived down the street at the time, he's a fireman. I called Trevin, and interestingly enough, I actually think based on his line of work, he may have been taking sleep medication at the time, but I called him in the middle of the night. This is January. It's like one or two in the morning. And I call and say, Hey, Trevin, um, I think my house is on fire. And he's like, basically uh, what I loved is that he goes, okay, do you remember last Christmas? I gave you a fire extinguisher. I'm like, okay. He's like, where actually you put it underneath your kitchen he put it under your kitchen counter. So he remembered that he gave it to me. He remembered where I, where I had put it. So I went down and grabbed it. And then he's like, walk over to the fireplace and see if you see fire. And I could see this creepy glow behind the, the fireplace. And he, I said, yes, I can see glow. And he's like, spray the, spray the fire or whatever, the fire extinguisher, extinguisher through the cracks, through the crack. And then I sprayed it all. And then he said, is it gone? I said, no. And he's like, okay, then get out of the house. <laughs> so I, w- I went upstairs. My buddy Dan was staying in one of our guest rooms. And Dan tells the story. I had to get Dan on here sometime. But Dan gets on and he's like, I walked into his room and he said that I was calm as day. I just said, hey, Dan, you need to get out of the house. The house is on fire. <laughs> he's like, who, who says it calmly like that? <laughs> so... We we all got out and we just sat it there. It was so surreal. It was so calm. Okay, it was wait, weird. So the fire was not in the fireplace. No. So basically, um, what ended up happening is that the fire was actually pressurizing all through the attic, and so it was. Uh, the fire people mentioned that something like if we wouldn't have been out within about fifteen minutes, then we would have had a major explosion because of because of the pressurization through the walls and through the attic. I actually don't know how all that works. But it was absolutely crazy. And we were standing out. I remember, so this is so weird. I have, if anyone knows me, they know that I love watches. And of all of the watches that I put on, our, our house is on fire. I grabbed my iWatch, which is so goofy because it was like the junkiest watch that I had. I grabbed my iWatch and my iPhone and we go out and I took this quick video and then I posted it and said something <laughs> like, because I figured people would want to know that our house is on fire. And I think I made some comment like, does anybody know if there's a Ritz Carlton in Rexburg? We may be looking. I don't know what the deal was, but it was still drugged. Still, the middle still, of the night. still drugged. <laughs> but the fire, the, the Rexburg fire department, Madison County responders to, they all did an incredible they were job. Awesome. But watching the fire and the flame just, bellowing out of your house while watching items just they're throwing them out the window they're cutting open the side of the house they're trying to, to do that. it was just one of those events where it was like how is this even how is this happening it was just the funny thing is the alarm didn't go off until we were standing out on the street yeah. that's yeah. so weird it but that the fact that sarah lynn woke up i think there was something when i say trial by fire sarah lynn do you want to tell them the background of a mention about the trials I, or you know how you mentioned about prayer and about yeah well I remember a while before that fire I was praying for humility that's right and FYI I don't do that <laughs> <laughs> because I mean we were totally humbled it was really hard after it wasn't 
it wasn't just the fire that was hard. It was kind of the whole year afterward that was hard, maybe even two years after. Well, it, it was one of those things where like in terms of the trial for us, what was interesting is that we had great insurance. The insurance company took great care of us. But here we were a large family in the winter displaced. And although, you know, we lost physical items, we were all safe. But I think just the stunning impact of knowing that your family was on the verge of, of death is just one of those things that just kind of rocks you, even though it wasn't that we lost a, a person in this in this fire. Yeah, and we didn't really even lose I mean, we lost stuff, but that didn't matter at all. It really it that really wasn't what we were sad about. And it was yeah. But in looking at it, I th- I think so we ended up buying a different home in, in Rexburg while while the home was basically rebuilt. And I spent a number of a number of weeks and months actually thinking like, what am I supposed to learn from this? You know, like I sometimes people get angry with God or they get angry in those situations. I actually didn't feel angry at all. I felt like, okay, I, I know this is happening. What am I supposed to learn from this? And it was really perplexing because I felt depressed. I definitely felt depressed. And I definitely was spending my time wondering, what should I learn from this? I had a good friend, Murray Morris, who who lived in uh, Salt Lake. And he came up and he was staying with us when we were in, that, in the home that we bought in Rexburg. And I was telling him, I just said, you know, I'd really like to know what it is I'm supposed to learn from all this. I mean, I'm, I'm open to whatever that lesson is. I just don't know. And in the nicest, in the nicest possible way, and I can't remember the words, but I remember distinctly the feeling. He looked at me and he says, Reg, what if it's not about you? And I couldn't even process what he was saying at the time because it seemed so shocking. But I'm like, what do you mean? He says, well, you're spending your time wondering what lesson you're supposed to be learning from this. What if the fire has nothing to do with you? What if, what if this catastrophe or this difficulty isn't for you to learn anything? What if it's not for about you at all? What if it's about someone who sees this particular event and watches you move forward and somewhere, somewhere down the line that helps impact them to do good in remembering that these are possible and watching your family go through it? What if it has nothing to do with you? And per, my, my mind was just like totally blown just thinking... Yeah, why why do I think it's about me? And and for some reason just that triggered this perspective of me that just kind of shifted everything. If you had opportunities or times in your life where all of a sudden one event happens or one word or one phrase triggers something in you that just changes the way you think forever. That was just one of those times for me. You've seen the picture by now of me on our podcast like I'm bald. I'm bald by choice, by the way. I'm only I'm only bald in one spot. <laughs> but this is how this came about. Basically, what ended up happening is I went to my grandfather's funeral in Arizona. And we had, I was one of the pallbearers. And I came back after the funeral and saw my, and was looking through different pictures that people had had at the funeral. And Sarah Lynn and I were sitting there going through it. And I pointed at this guy with this, with this tan colored suit with a big, huge bald spot in the back of his head. And, um, and then there was like hair around it. And I was completely perplexed. I said, Sarah Lynn, I don't, I don't know who this is. Like, I don't remember who this is. Who, who is this? This isn't one of my cousins. 
And Sarah Lynn looks at me. She's like, are you serious right now? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, y- yes. <laughs> and she started laughing. And I was like, oh, okay, do you know who it is? She's like, uh, yes. And so do you <laughs> in a nicer way. And, and so finally I'm like, who is it? Just totally perplexed, still not putting two to two in, together. And she goes, that's you. It never in a million years crossed my mind that it was me in these photos. And I was perplexed on who it was. And, and that day I realized two things. One, I was bald, um, in the back of my head, but every morning when I got up in the mirror and looked in the mirror and was doing my hair, I never saw the bald spot, but here it was someone that was standing back just a little ways, just far enough to be able to look at me take a picture through a different lens. It took someone else at a different lens and a different perspective to help me see a better picture of, of the complete view of me. And although in that moment it stung to realize that that was me, without having that full information, I wouldn't know what best to do to move forward. So I've, I've talked quite a bit in the past about the power of mentorship and having someone just far enough outside of you. But I think in seeking information that might help us have a different perspective or a different lens in this case, I think it allows us to be able to see things in a way that help us make good decisions based on, on reality rather than just what we want to pretend our reality is. So if you're ever wondering why I'm bald... It was from having a new perspective. <laughs> wow. And so if any of you out there are bald, I just want to be that extra lens for you. Use an extra mirror, hold it behind the other mirror, and just <laughs> check, you know, oh. just check, just check once a year. And then shave your head. And then shave your head. <laughs> so that's kind of, that's kind of what my, what my mind has been really centered on. I also... I also wanted to give an update that as I've been processing more information from my personal mentors, I think it's given me additional perspective, different lens. And, and I think if we're not receiving some information regularly about broadening our perspective of our situation voluntarily, then I think that we should seek it out. When I, when I look at all the takeaways from this, from the fire, my biggest takeaway was, Two things. One, have good insurance. If you don't have good insurance, get good insurance. But really for me, and Sarah Lynn, I'll let you kind of share what, what you think maybe was the, the takeaway for you. Okay. Um, I think for me, I looked at it and thought, yeah, what if everything that happens around me isn't about me? Why in the world, even in that context, when I wanted to figure out what my lesson was, which in, in essence sounds pretty good. Still, even in that moment, I was considering that it was about me. But not everything's about me. And not everything's about any of us. So why do we spend so much time trying to figure out how everything is about us? I don't know. I like it. Well, a while back we were talking about how maybe not everybody has mentors. And maybe most people don't even have mentors, especially not the kind that you've had in your life. And I can't think of people in my life that have been like that for me. And 
you mentioned seeking them out. Um, so after the fire, I was so depressed. It was like the first big depression of my life. It was just crazy. I slept all the time. I couldn't do anything. Um, and so I decided to go to counseling. And that was kind of like seeking out a mentor kind of because I think he really shaped my perspective of the fire and really helped me get through it and get past that huge, deep depression that lasted at the time felt like forever. But he just helped me see things in a new way and go back in my memories and tell the story over and over again. We talked about that last week, how when you tell a story over and over again, it just becomes a story in your life. And that's what I did with the fire is I just told it over and over and over again. And eventually it was just a story in my life. And then another thing that really helped me was um, the counselor guided me through this exercise where I chose somebody to guide me through the fire, like in my mind. And it was like I made new memories of it because I had someone special to me guiding me through that night. And I went over that in my mind night and morning for weeks and it just kind of changed my perspective on it, and it really helped me deal with it and get over my depression about it. Isn't it interesting? So we've, and I don't know if I've mentioned this in the past, but we have, like, if you need, if you want to be a muscle builder, or what is that called? Taylor, body, you would know. A bodybuilder. Bodybuilder. <laughs> so if you want to be a bodybuilder, then you hire a personal trainer, a physical trainer. If you want to uh, do better in school and your education, you hire a tutor. If you want to hire someone that's helping you in, in different aspects of your life, we, without reservation, hire those people. And then whenever it comes to mental health or emotional health, which is probably the most crucial of them all, we're like, oh, no, no, I, I, I can't hire a coach for that. That's, I'm, I'm not crazy. Yeah, I'm not crazy, right? It's like, <laughs> well, yeah, you're not crazy. That's why you're willing to look for outside help if you need it. And, and you you'd be surprised. I, I think things are shifting a little bit in the, our perspective of, of getting help in that way. But there's powerful benefits to, to getting help in any area that we need um, that extra guidance. Yeah, so I would, wanted to ask a question. Do you think that it's possible, in the same sense that that became a story in your life, is it possible for ongoing things in someone's life to kind of become a story so it's easier to grasp and handle? I definitely think so. I think it's a really good I think it's a really good principle just to take away that things can just become stories in your life. You don't have to dwell on them and they don't have to make you depressed. You yeah, yeah, it doesn't have to become you. One one of the other really powerful takeaways for me is the outpouring of love that happened to us when when the fire happened within within literally within hours, I think probably 2 hours. I had a past student that had created a GoFundMe page for our for our fire. And I thought, and a, and a student that had been gone for probably two or three years at that time, and I thought, how amazing that he saw this, took action immediately, and just moved forward. And although there was this, there was this um, instant, I, I, asked, I asked him to, to take it down because of our circumstance allowed that, that we didn't need that that, um, the help from our friends in that way. But I thought that was so impressive. We had countless people that very night, one of our neighbors, Chris Johnson, 
he came over and said in the middle of the night yes in the middle of the night he a says a lot of our neighbors were there in the middle of the night says hey i i want to tarp everything off so that i can help protect and we can stand guard and we can watch out and just the amount of people that were willing to help when when something like a fire happens it's so apparent who needs help and people were just jumping at being willing to help and sometimes in our own life I've, i'm titling this trial by home fire but sometimes in our trial by fire, it's unseen. You don't get to see the damage that's happening inside. You don't always see the smoke. You don't always have the detector that's going off. But everyone around us is having some type of fire in some level. And some of them are getting to where they, they feel like things are collapsing or things are about to blow up. And I think taking an example of what we can see and being there for people is a powerful thing. And it's even more powerful to start perceiving those around us and looking outside of us to notice those those traits and reaching out with love that can create a powerful dynamic. It's it's hard I thought it was very difficult to receive help. You know, I'm I'm comfortable giving help, but there was something that was really tough when people would come up to me and say, Hey, um, I just wanted to can you come, would you guys like to come over for dinner tonight? Can you come over for dinner tonight? We've got it all lined out. I know that there was people in our community that had us, I, I remember I had someone on campus who I didn't know that well that was one of the vice presidents at the time, sent me a private note and said, hey, we would like to invite your family to stay with, with us in our, in, our guest, in our guest quarters. I didn't need, I'd only met him a couple of times, but the outpouring of love was just huge. And I realized that, I started to just say thank you. Sometimes we have people that offer help and we want to spend all the time telling them why we don't want help or why we don't need it. Or we get kind compliments and we want to rebut those and give reasons why those aren't accurate. And really what it comes down to is most of the time when people offer help, I think our most humble and most good responses, thank you. And and in this case, um, I remember I, I went to church and, and an older gentleman in our, in our congregation, he went to shake my hand after he saw me that, that next Sunday. And when he shook my hand, I realized instantly that there was money in his hand when he shook my hand. And he shook my hand and as I walked away, I saw that it was a $100 bill. And it really touched my heart even though we didn't have the financial consequences to where I needed the donations, there was something powerful about him willing to extend himself in a way that he knew he could best extend himself. And it touched me. And I looked at him and said, with tears in my eyes, and said, thank you. And I cherished learning to better accept that thanks, even or accept that type of service, even when, Every prideful part of me is like, no, 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 I got this. No, we, we don't got it. We need each other. We all need each other. This particular episode was recommended by, by a number of people said, we would really like to hear more about your perspectives on your fire. And I hope that there's something in all of this that turns out to be of help to any of you that are listening to this. We also would plead if you've got things that you would love to hear us discuss or talk about, I would love for you to make those recommendations. London's actually set that up on the website that you can actually submit either on Instagram at Brother Reg 
or on um, or on the website, there's a spot where they can submit. Isn't isn't that right? London? Yeah. So on the website, there's a request page. You can go in there, put your name and your contact, and leave a request for us, and we will do our best to hit that up in a future episode. Thanks, London. And we we love you. We spend our time investing our best in you, and we hope that you know that we love you, and this is an act of of our goodness to you. So thank you for a great night, and we will see you soon. We'll send, see you next week. Peace out. See ya. See ya. Bye.